Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, you are faithful, God. Father, you are faithful to give us peace. You are faithful to give us rest in the midst of so much going on in the world right now, God. We cast it at your feet, God. Thank you, God, for a preview of heaven right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for these beautiful songs being lifted up to you, Lord God, by voices, yes, but by hearts more so, God. Thank you, God, for giving us rest, for bringing the family together for rest, your great rest, God. We need it, God, desperately, God. Father, now during this time, we just say speak, Lord. Help us, God, to hear your voice, God. Help us, Lord God, to continue in the rest as we hear your care for us through your commands spoken in your word, God. Your word is rest, God. Your commands are rest, God. Be with us now, Father. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, wow. I telling you, y'all. Our worship team just makes it so much easier to be up here and just proclaim the goodness and the mercy and the glory and the awesomeness of God. Oh, man. Yo, so what's up, y'all? Well, <laughs> glad to be up here. A lot of y'all calling me Pastor Omar now. <laughs> just like weird. I don't have to. <laughs> cool. Well, yo, but I, so y'all yeah, gave me a loud sound for that. Give me a louder sound for the nine baptisms we had last week, though. Woo! Woo! Wow, just God's faithfulness in transforming our hearts. Even right there, while I was worshiping, I was remembering my own conversion, how God came and intervened in my life and rescued me. He's faithful. Yeah. And if he's faithful to save a sinner like me, he's more so faithful to have lordship over the history of the globe. If he can change this heart right here, as crazy as I was, as far away from him as I was, then he will be faithful to have rulership over the globe and his history, no matter what. Amen? So last week's service was beautiful. It was a testimony to his faithfulness. Those baptisms were like, like James said, like nine sermons, y'all. It was dope. I so appreciate it. It was a life-changing moment in my life outside of the ordination. And then James came and preached a beautiful sermon for the ordination, and it was great. Pastor Rich and I got up here, got laid, uh, our, land, our hands laid on us, and it was awesome. And I'm so grateful for that whole event. That was so memorable. I'm gonna remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, one of the things that James mentioned as Rich and I were up here was uh, the process of being qualified to be a pastor uh, involves how we are with our spouses and with our children. And this week, I wanted to focus on our children because they are the future, y'all. They're the next generation coming up, and we have to make sure that we steward that treasure that God has given us well. Uh, but I wear my British kid shirt. I like that. <laughs> cool. So we have to make sure 
that not only through Bridge Kids, but also us collectively as a body are stewarding these treasures well. I have a few disclaimers for you guys before we get started with the main passage that we're gonna go, that we're gonna go through. Is that all right? Yeah. Cool. Disclaimer number one is, this is not exhaustive, all right? So there's so many things that I can come up here and say about what it means to disciple children, to make disciples of children, of kids. But I, I'm gonna give you some overarching views that I think are really key to understanding the bulk of it. And, uh, and I pray that it just hits you. That it hit me, that it hit all of us. It's been hitting me all week. And trust me when I say, uh, this is disclaimer number two now. Uh, actually, I, f- I left my clicker, my clicker y'all. Can, y'all. can you change it up there for me? All right, <laughs> I wasn't prepared, <laughs> that's okay. Cool, so these are my babies. <laughs> so disclaimer number two is at the bottom, Perfection not pictured, all right? I just want to make it crystal clear that I'm not standing up here as some kind of parenting, discipling of kids guru, all right, who knows everything, who's been there, done that, who has arrived, who's, I haven't even written a half of a page on parenting. I think this sermon was the longest thing that I've ever written on parenting, so forget books, all right? Now, I've read a couple of books, and there is some fruit, praise God, you know? My, my kids are not all the way turned up crazy, you know, they're... I can manage them, my wife and I, you know, we do what we can, we do what we can. But we definitely have not arrived, we definitely are not perfect parents, um, but we do have some experience and some things that we've applied from this book that have really helped tremendously. So praise God for that, all by his grace, all by his grace. Oh man, it's, it's been amazing, I love being a dad, y'all. Uh, yesterday I was with Junius and Adai at the GameStop. You know, I am a, a, a recovering gamer. <laughs> So we were there yesterday. I love just being involved in their lives and having fun and teaching them those, uh, those good precepts from the word of God. Uh, this happens to be a picture that we took at the High Line uh, in Manhattan. We walked two miles, incident free. <laughs> so that was a good day. And uh, I love traveling with the kids. Yeah, I, I love it. I love traveling with the kids and, um, and just being a dad and really like introducing them to the culture of New York City. We've been here, we've been back in the city for a year. So we've been parents in New York City for all of a year now, and it's been incredible just being able to introduce them to all the cultural stuff and all the, the, the cool things that the city has to offer, and how to live as a believer here in the city, which is a different thing altogether than most other places in the world, amen? Cool, so disclaimer number three, you can sit for the slide. Uh, disclaimer number three is, listen, this is not just a sermon for parents. I just wanna make that really clear from the get, Like, this is a sermon for all of us. You know, there's an old African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child, right? So how much more does it take to raise a disciple? It takes a church. It takes a church to raise a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in the business of doing that, right? Jesus said, you know, go out into all the world and make disciples, right? So if we are making disciples outside of those doors right there and inside here in our midst, but not making disciples of our own kids, then we're not all the way there, right? We need to be making disciples of the kids that God has entrusted us, because they they ain't got nowhere else to go on Sunday. They're gonna be up in here. They're gonna be up in the city groups. They're gonna be up in our family gatherings, right? So we're we're there, we're there with them. Cool. Um, Is it banging up against something? Sorry about that. I I try not to move as much. (laughs) So, So yeah, so we do have an awesome blessing and responsibility of raising these small kids into solid, mature disciples of Christ. And it's a responsibility that's awesome, but it's also an awesome blessing. And, and you know, something that I've loved about this church is that you guys are not afraid to interact with my kids. 
You know, I really appreciate that about y'all. You know, not only in, in Bridge Kids, you know, everybody loves on the kids and they're friendly and, and all that, and they serve my kids well, and all the rest of the kids that are served by Bridge Kids, but also just running around here in the sanctuary. Y'all are like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you know, you talk to Janias, you, you know, you chase, a, you know, chase Araya around, and that's cool. I love that because we're, we always go by the saying that we're not like a family, we are a family, right? So when I come up in here, it's family, right? So you guys interact with my kids in the way that it's like family, like when I visit a family reunion, right? So I love that about you guys. We are a family. Picture this. How many of you here have godparents? Cool. I have a, a godmother who's still alive. Um, she called me the other day on my birthday. We don't interact too much, but she calls me every year, make sure that she gets that phone call in, even if it's a 15-second phone call. So she pledged to my mom to be involved in my life for the rest of my, or the rest of her life, right? So we have godparents. Some of them encourage us in the faith. Some of us, some of them don't, you know, depending on where you grew up. I grew up Catholic, so it's a little different. Um, but some of you have godparents that have been heavily involved in your life, and praise God for that, and they've been a great encouragement to you. Amen. However, we here are a family. Imagine instead of just having godparents, like a, a godfather and a godmother, imagine having a whole god family to back you up. Imagine the power of that. So that's what I want to encourage us to do in the discipleship of our kids. Yes, parents here are grinding. They get the bulk of, of the weight. They, they do the heavy lifting as far as the day-to-day, -day, right? They do the, the homework when the kids come home from school. They do the, the feeding. They do the bedtime. They do the praying for at home. They model it out. They're examined closely. They're the ones that carry the bulk of the load back home. But praise God, we can come alongside them and walk with them. I want you, this is, this is my personal invitation to y'all. I want you to walk alongside Nancy and I, all right? In case you didn't know that, like, I want you to come along, Nancy and I, and help raise our kids to become mature disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right? And when we have baby dedications, that's, we, we pledge, the congregation pledges to a baby that, yeah, we're going to watch that baby grow up and be there for that baby to encourage them to walk with God. Remember your own childhood, too. Raise your hand if you've been raised in the church since early on. Dope. A lot of you guys have memories, both good and bad, right? So what I'm asking you to do during this time is do something unique. I want you guys to take those maybe not so good memories, right? So if you were in a church where maybe too much pressure was levied on you, where maybe people were a little bit judgmental, where maybe you were asked to do too much because you were a church baby and by the time you were, you were three years old, you had like some instrument in your hand and they were expecting you to play for the church. <laughs> Maybe you had some neg negative experiences with pastors and, and James talked about that a little bit last week about like, yes, we, we're gonna make some people mad. We're gonna stumble. We're not perfect, right? Take that, all that, those memories about your childhood and see how you can remedy them here in our context. All those things that you remember, like, man, when I was being raised in the church, I wish this would have been better, and this would have been better, and this would have been better, and bring those into our context here. 
so that you can bless our kids and the raising up of our kids here. And for those positive experiences, because many of you have had those, where you had those mentors built into your church family elsewhere, or you had those people that really took the time to encourage you, really took the time to explain some things about the faith that really just made things click in your own mind and in your own soul about the faith and really helped you out, really helped you to grow. Take those, bring those good things that you remember about your upbringing into this setting and see how you can be a blessing to our kids in this setting. I wanna read you a scripture uh, just to kind of lay a foundation for our main passage, which is going to be found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is Psalm chapter 127, and I want to read this kind of like as a precursor to our main verse. So Deuteronomy, I mean, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 127, verse 3 to 5 says this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of, uh, the, the, fruit of the womb a reward. And this one might be familiar to a lot of us. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now this part right here may not be as familiar. It says, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Now I did some digging into this verse, and one of the things that really blessed me is, this verse is talking about a warrior who develops his children and raises his children up to be warriors alongside with him. So that when he comes up to the gate of the enemy, his enemy, like let's say if he comes up to that gate and it's pretty thin, his enemy is gonna be like, yo, who, who is you? Like, yo, we got, we got a squad here. Like you can't, you don't have the numbers to match up with us. However, if you come to those gates and you roll deep because you have many children in your quiver, warriors that you spend time and invested in training up to be disciples, to be warriors alongside you. You step up with them to those gates. And you get that respect like, okay, I see you. I see you. You, you, you ready to fight. You ready to fight. And Lord knows that we have a great enemy. Satan is real, believe it or not. And he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy us because we are image bearers of God. So we need to raise up the next generation who will come alongside us and fight this battle with us. We need to be intentional about it. Let us read this main passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Great. This is Moses who at this point knows that he's not going to the promised land with Israel. He knows that his time with Israel is short. He knows that Israel's hearts are prone to wander. He knows that Joshua is taking over leadership. He wants to set up Israel so that they do well in the promised land after he's gone. He wants to set them up well. So Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy is actually a series of sermons where Moses is preaching to the people. Remember the Lord your God. As a matter of fact, right before this chapter in chapter five, he, re he reviews the 10 commandments. And he says, don't forget. 
Don't forsake the Lord. Don't forsake, don't forget his ordinances, his statutes, his commands, his laws. Make sure that you hide them in your heart. Let's read this passage right here. It says, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words I am giving to you today and they're to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. The first point I want to bring out from this scripture is that we have to be intentional about this. If you can go to the next slide. This process of discipling kids as households, as parents, as a church body is not just going to magically just happen. It's not going to magically just come about. This is something that we have to be intentional about. Look at what he says here. He's talking about remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then he says this in verse 7. That's the thing that I want you to remember. And that's the thing that I want you to, verse 7, repeat to your children. Talk to your children about these things. And those are two different things. All right? Because you can repeat things to your children, and it's great. It's kind of like the way that I always visualize it when I'm talking to my kids, it's kind of like building up a brick wall. So the more that I repeat something, it's another brick on the wall, and you keep building it up, building it up, building it up, building it up, until your children's minds and hearts are fortified by that wall because of God's word. So we need to be repetitive. And yes, sometimes they will roll their eyes at you. (laughs) kids will be kids kids will be kids and I'll talk about that in point number two but listen it's super important that we be repetitive with the same things over and over again particularly with the greatest and most central part of the Bible which is the gospel of Jesus Christ particularly with that I want my kids to be able to, to to speak it out as soon as somebody asks them what do you think the gospel is by gospel I mean the good news about Jesus Christ that God came down in the flesh. We were separated from him. And he injected himself into time and space and walked among us and lived perfectly among us and modeled out righteousness among us and then was executed on our behalf. The sin, that we committed sins against God, the death that we deserve because of those sins, he took it upon himself was hung on a cross, was executed for our sins on our behalf, died, was buried, and three days later demonstrated that it was nothing for him, that death couldn't hold him, that he had power over sin, over death, over Satan himself by rising up from the grave. That message right there, that is the center of the Bible. We can start with that when it comes to the repetition. 
and then lead on into other things. I love it that he also says in the second half of verse seven, talk about them. So it's not just a repetition, we need to talk about these things with our kids, have exchange, conversation, back and forth, ask them questions about what they think about different things. If something confuses them, we need to be engaged with them in conversation. All right, <laughs> y'all see the message. So we need to go back and forth and have an exchange of ideas and thoughts, even if we, we think that something is up in their minds where they're troubled in their hearts, we need to be intentional and have a plan, all right? Because it's not just like off the cuff, right? I do a devotion with my kids every night before bed on most nights. And some nights we just get home and we're just tired, everybody goes to sleep, all right? Just keeping it 100%. <laughs> we just tired sometimes, all right? But praise God that my kids, and this is, this, is, this is the grace of God, this is not me, this is not Nancy, this is not how good we are, how dope we are, right? They cry sometimes when we don't read them the Bible to sleep. And that is something, I, I mean, I thank God for that all the time. That's, that's rare. And if you're not there, it's fine. It's okay. Continue to work, continue to repeat, continue to engage with your children. Have a plan, though. Like, we have plans for everything else, right? We have plans for our fun times, for our recreation. We have plans for when we get up at, in the morning to go to work. We even have spiritual plans, right? We get ready for our personal devotions, our, our walk with God, our spiritual nourishment. Let's have a plan for the nourishment of our kids. As a church, we have a plan. We have British kids upstairs. We have different things that we're engaging our kids that walk through those doors, whether they've been here, whether they have parents that are members here, or whether they just walk through the doors for the first time. We have a plan. And we're developing that more and more. We want more and more maturity in our plan. Praise God for a wife that engages. Like Nancy does this so much better than I, as far as engaging our kids with how to apply scripture to real life. So yesterday, Nancy and I were talking about the whole controversy between the NFL and our president. And Unias overhears us, and he's like, what's going on? And so instead of just venting or just like complaining about something, we apply God's word to the situation and explain to Junias that God loves justice, and there are people being quieted that desire justice, and that is why we are troubled by it. We're able to apply God's word to the circumstances. Kids want to be engaged. They want to know a little bit. They want a little peek into the, what the grown-ups are doing. And it doesn't have to be like this exclusive thing, right? Parents deal sometimes too often with things in silence. Sometimes we feel like, nah, like we got to hide this from our kids. And I've heard so many, especially um, like 20-somethings, talk about like, man, by the time my mom and dad got a divorce, I had no idea. Now, I'm not saying dump all these really mature and grown-up things on your children, but give them a sneak peek into something that you and your spouse or you as an adult are processing. Yeah. As a grown-up, as a parent, as a brother and sister in Christ. Be discerning, but also share. Share life. We share life as a family, right? If they don't learn it from us, y'all, listen, this is really key right here. 
if they don't learn it from us, they're going to learn it from out there. But what they learn from out there is gonna be all twisted and marred and perverted because it's not gonna come from the lens of God's heart, from the lens of God's word. They must hear it from us before they hear it from somebody else. Praise God, I've had the sex conversation with my oldest who's nine, and that went well. And there's gonna be a layering of that. (laughs) But you know what? It's crazy because some people are really like weirded out by that and scared to have the talk, you know, in big quotes. But you know, I felt from Junius this sense of like appreciation and loved. Like he felt loved. When Nancy and I sat him down and talked to him, I, 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 it was like a moment and then we like hugged and kissed at the end. Yeah, I still kiss my boy, probably until he's 35. <laughs> but yeah, but that was quite a moment. And we can share those moments with our kids. If they don't learn it here from this family, then they're gonna learn it from another party with a hellish twist on it, right? We gotta look for opportunities too. Look, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit to verse 20. It says, when your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances which the Lord our God has commanded you. We don't have to even go into the next step. What Moses is trying to explain here is be ready to give answers and give the right answers. We have to be ready and we have to see those as opportunities to minister to our kids, to, build, to put another brick on that wall, to guard their hearts and their minds against the ways of this world. Listen, even the cartoons are wilding out out here. Have y'all been on Cartoon Network recently? Yo, it's crazy. I'm like, what are we watching? Yo, t- change this right now. I'm like, with the remote like this. Like, I'm like, you, this is crazy. Just all types of crazy ideas and emotions that they're exploring, even in the cartoon world. It's crazy. We have to realize, y'all, that they're going to ask questions and that we have to model it out for them so that we can be Living epistles, as Paul said, living stories, living letters from God to those kids. You know, sometimes I even get frustrated at my own Bible app reading, all right? Not hating the Bible app, because I do it every day, right? Not every day, most days. My reading plan is on here. I use it. It's, It's been a blessing, right? Just a quick way to open up an app and start off, like, like, begin where you left off the previous day or the previous time you you opened up the word. And it's helping me to track digitally, like where I'm at in my yearly plan, my yearly reading plan, right? But sometimes I'm like, man, wouldn't it be dope if I was sitting on my couch and my kids didn't think that I was on Facebook? That they, like if I had this in my hands, that's part of my sanctification personally. Like this is how I'm growing, all right? So I'm, I'm looking for more and more ways to let my kids know that my heart is after God. My heart is after God. I'm looking for more and more ways to to put that into our lives, into our home life, all right? And praise God, we're gonna see more and more of that. I think as we get settled into our new apartment in Flatbush, shout out to all my Flatbush fam. 
<laughs> uh, just as we engage the community, engage the neighborhood, have people over are hospitable, they're gonna see all that, they're gonna see all that. And praise God is gonna be more. And like I said, the gospel and everything, even in disciplining, right? Even when they do something that's wrong, my approach is not, is not like, yo, like, cut it out or stuff like And don't get me wrong, right? Going back to my disclaimer, sometimes the little vein on the side of my forehead right here, just like pulses, you can see my pulse right on there uh, because I get mad. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe that these kids are wilding out like this, right? But even in discipline, I can tell them, you know Jesus died for that sin. We've been doing that more and more at our home. And sometimes they catch it, sometimes they don't, sometimes they're like, okay, okay, yeah, whatever. But it's bricks building up that wall. Jesus, they have to be aware of the gospel. They have to be aware that this is not just something that we, that we come to church and do. We're living life in light of the gospel. And I tell them all, all the time that my prayer for them, even when I pray for them, like God, save them, change their hearts, rescue them, let them, let them cast their burdens on you. God, rescue them from sin and the consequences of it. They hear that from us all the time, Nancy and I. We have to be repetitive and be intentional. Point number two that I wanted to make is that we have to consider the process, y'all. Maturity is not an overnight thing, right? We all are aware of that. We all are going through our own maturity process, right? We're all on different levels, right? So imagine a, ch- a child who's even their minds are still really developing, right? So the way that they process emotions is way different than us, right? The way that they communicate their needs is way different than us. We were once there too. Listen, all I gotta do, y'all, is call up one of my tias, one of my aunts, and be like, hey, how was I when I was a baby? And they're like, oh, oh, oh. They, they, they like ready. They got, they got the clip loaded, they like, they're ready to fire off like multiple stories about my foolishness when I was growing up, all right, and how I embarrassed my mom over and over and over again because of my crazy behavior, all right? We have a maturity process that we're all going through. All of us were there once with the kids. So that means when they act as children do, then what we should do is look for those opportunities first. Let's, instead of flying off the handle, which we can do as parents, amen? Can I get an amen for some parents? Okay, I got one in the back. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that hand. <laughs> All right, sometimes, right, we can, we can get upset quickly, right? Let's just be honest, let's just be real. We're not perfect. But the more that we take time to consider that they're on a track, they, they're on a maturation process, just like we once were, just like we currently are. The more we take a moment and breathe and do that and consider the word of God, the more better it will be, the better we'll be, we'll be able to disciple them with a clear mind and a clear heart. Look at Philippians chapter two, verse 13 with me. Because listen, the key thing that I want you to remember from this portion that we're, that we're going through here is that we're after heart transformation and not behavior modification, all right? Heart transformation, we want their lives to come out of an overflow of what's in their hearts. 
So we just don't want them to be these Pharisees that are like, no, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that, and have like a, a, a list of rules that they flip through every day. Like, okay, like, let me see, okay, make sure I'm doing all these things. And be robotic. We don't want that. We want worshipers. We want people that behave a certain way because that behavior is righteousness where they want to worship God, where they want to reflect God to the world and show the world how great it is to follow his laws, his ordinances, and his commands, where they want to worship. This is all about worship redirection. We don't want just for them to change the things that they do. We want to change and allow God, the, the Holy Spirit, to transform who they are. You feel me? So, my kids have Super Mario in the home. And they talk about Super Mario a lot. And part of, part of it is my fault. I introduced them to it. But listen, <laughs> I want them to consider the Lord's ways more than Super Mario. Do I want to kick Super Mario out of my house? No. I enjoy it. It's good family time. However, I do want them in their hearts to value God and the Lord Jesus Christ more than they value Mario, Yoshi, Luigi, and company. All right? Mario was one of my two-year-old's first words. Just letting you know where we're at with that at the house. All right? <laughs> the third point I wanted to make, then the final point I wanted to make, is who lives in your home, okay? And in our setting, who dwells here among us as a body of Christ? And to what degree, to what degree does he dwell here? The, to what degree does God dwell here among with us? So kids, by definition, are extremely impressionable. They are literally like little mirrors of their surroundings. So that's why they pick up things in school. That's why they pick up things from TV shows. That's why they pick up things from movies. That's why we gotta guard them from certain things without like putting them in all the way in a bubble, introducing them, but also making sure that we're speaking into the situation, right? They're very impressionable. Grandma lived with us, uh, Nancy's mom lived, lived with us for 18 months in Maryland. And in that time, our kids picked up all these little mannerisms and sayings and these little songs that grandma used to sing at home, all right? And while I was uh, preparing for this sermon, he rem God reminded me of that scenario. And I'm like, man, does Jesus noticeably, noticeably live in my home? Can they pick up things from Christ in the way that they picked up things from grandma while she was living with us? It convicts me all the time because they pick up things. The reason my son says, dag, is because of me. <laughs> all right? But I want him to say Christ is Lord in that same way. I want him to say Christ is Lord in that same way. And praise God, progress has been made in our home in that regard. Verse 6 talks about these words I am giving you today so that they are to be in your heart. What our kids are going to learn from in our homes and in our church setting is going to be what is in our hearts. Out of the overflow of our hearts, our kids will learn. Discipleship will happen when they see what flows out of us. They will see that there is authenticity. They will see that this is real. This is not just our little church culture. Verse 8, and I put up a picture of this right here. 
It says, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. This is what the Jews interpret that to be in this day. And what I find very powerful uh, at, the, at the end of that verse, it says, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This to me is a clear example of the Lord reminding us you're being watched. And because these are physical representations on the forehead, on the hand, around the arm, as you see there in the picture, we're being examined and watched by our children as a church family, not just parents. We get scoped a little bit closer, all right? Our walks get inspected a little bit more because we live with them. But as a church family, we're being looked upon. So what are the things that are important to us? Those things are going to be reflected in our kids. I love it that last Christmas we were able to go out with the known campaign with our kids for a known distribution. That was incredible. They got to see firsthand how we care for those that are naked, hungry, destitute, and in great need. It was, it was life-changing for us and for them. And it was on Christmas where we celebrated the birth of our Savior by walking as he walked. It was great. So that's, that's been part of the church's collective witness to my kids and our kids. The fact that we care and we do things out of our care because we have transformed hearts from the Lord. So does our collective witness encourage them to follow Christ? Does it come out of an overflow of our hearts? Our kids are definitely, definitely going to be watching us. A guy came up to me recently, <laughs> and he was crying, and he was like, Papi, you lied to me. Uh. And I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He was like, you said that I could have a snack. And I was like, yeah, I did after you eat dinner. <laughs> so it just was a, a clear and stark reminder. Like any little thing that we do, y'all, is going to help us walk with our kids one way or the other. Because listen, we're going to be discipling whether we want to or not. Right? It's going to be the good kind of discipleship or it's going to be the not so good discipleship. We're going to be leading them towards faith and towards the Lord or away. We need each other. Our kids need you. Last slide. I wanted to read this verse right here because I thought it was just a powerful statement from the Lord as far as our need collectively as a community to be involved with our kids. In this passage, he says, if only they had such a heart to fear me and keep all my commandments always, so that, so that they and their children will prosper forever. Will prosper forever. Do we want the children that are among us to prosper forever? The way that they will prosper forever is by being in the body of Christ, by faith in his son, by laying down their lives before him. Do we reflect that? Are we concerned about that? Are we being intentional? Are we remembering the process that God 
Like it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, God is the one that changes the desire. God is the one who changes their hearts. If we can be the greatest parenting gurus, but ultimately, we have to trust God in the process of raising up our kids to maturity, to be that next generation. Some of you come from churches where there's a big age block that is missing. And praise God, the Lord led you here to grow and to mature in your walks. I don't want that to be this church. I don't want that to be this church where we're in, in, in 10 years, in 15 years, we're missing a gigantic block of age groups because we didn't do this collectively. I don't want that to be us. Can we be the type of church that at every age from cradle all the way to maturity and beyond raise our kids as disciples of Christ and holistically, all of us as a family, be involved, be engaged, partner together with parents, walk alongside with parents to engage in this great and wonderful responsibility and blessing. To be part of the next generation, to be those people that walk up to the enemy's gates like what? What? Squad, we roll deep with our kids that we've intentionally raised up in the faith where we've trusted God and we've prayed through their salvation, their baptism. And even yesterday, some of these kids might someday be ordained into ministry. Who knows? They could be world changers. I mean, we're in a city where world changers go out from here and come to here. How will we take this great treasure and responsibility? Let me pray for us. Father, we just love you and we love your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, your name means God saves. God, we ask that for our children. Father, we trust you with their salvation and the process of their maturity. Help us, God, to be the type of church that encourages them at every stage in life, God. Father, help us to be the type of church that retains them once they come back from college or they stay here locally and go to college. God, once they're mature adults, help us to retain them, God, because we've invested in them, God. Because we've been intentional about telling them about you and your wondrous grace, God. Help us as a church. Help our families here. Father, give parents supernatural strength in the name of Jesus, God. Especially for single parents in this church. God, a double portion. Help them, God. Help our hearts as households and collectively as a church to obey you and be obedient to you and love you and worship you, Lord God, through this great and awesome task that you've put on us, Lord God. And you enable us, you are faithful to enable us to do it. And we praise you for all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. 
We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.